Welcome to Nerd Sports. Today we're going to talk about water, uh, synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's prettier when the women do it. Oh, it's, okay. It's, it, you know, when, dude, when dudes do it, I mean, it's almost like the, the, the dance number at the end of Blazing Saddles. It's just not, not big enough. I don't know. That, that, that dance thing was actually really good. So, Anyways, actual sports. Well, it's a good thing they keep the pools cool for a reason, so I'm just saying. Yeah, for the guys. Uh, I was I was talking. To, we were talking about before we started. It's like, man, there's some there's some men out there. Even if the water is cold, it still look like a mallet. Yeah, I'm just not gonna dive into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the main thing for this weekend for sports is the NFL draft. That's going to be this weekend. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little research. The only thing I got from that is, uh, oh, I got to bring it up. I forgot to bring it up. Yeah, well, while you're doing that, um, we'll, we'll try to unpack a little bit of this here. Um, there was a UFC pay-per-view on Saturday night. Uh, yeah. UFC 261, Chris Weedman shattered his leg. During oh fight. yeah. Um, when I think more specifically, he shattered his ankle. Um, it was, it was a fight that he had with Uriah Hall, and like literally, there was one strike in the entire fight, and that was when Weedman opened up with a leg strike, and it was. Uh, I mean, he it, he hit leg or Hall's leg just below the knee, and as soon as his you know as soon as he, you know, pulled his leg back and it made contact with the mat. I mean. It just snapped on him. Yeah. Well, the other the other thing was is the women's UFC. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't uh, I didn't do a, I didn't do a lot of you know breakdown for the UFC fights uh, this weekend this past weekend, but uh, Weedman, what's kind of you, you know how we're like the longer you watch sports, you'll you'll start to see more and more parallels, right? Yeah. Um, the parallel from the UFC fight was uh, Weedman himself was involved in another fight with uh, Anderson Silva mm-hmm. back in uh, UFC 168. And Silva had the same type of leg injury fighting Weedman. What the fuck? Yeah, so I mean, there. Is he like uh, Ironwood or something like that? No, no. It, it's just, it, it's it's like, you, you see those those videos just kind of like down in the basement of YouTube where... Yeah, you, know, you 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 look up like kickboxing fight, uh, videos, and you'll see guys that like they'll do shin strikes, and the other guy's doing the same thing. So they're on the same page, and they're going to shin strike each other. Shins will make contact, and both of you know one guy or both guys' shins will snap. Yeah, and you'll see that bottom half of the leg just kind of move in a very unnatural wobble. I'm glad I didn't have that when I was uh, playing soccer because we did it a lot. But uh, Zhang Willy was the uh, women's uh, UFC championship. Uh, I don't got that much on her. But from what I heard, it was a good fight. I, I missed the fight because I ended up having to do like 50,000 different things that weekend. Yeah, uh, you know, one of these weekends, I mean, we're just going to have to kind of sit down. And one of us, you know, one or both of us, we're going to have to chip in. We're just going to have to bite the bullet and just buy the pay-per-view. But, yeah, I got a guy. Yeah, you got a guy. All right, yeah, cool. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, you were talking about the NFL draft, and, uh, yeah, that is coming up this weekend. So you Yeah, know. Jerry Jones is already set to uh, draft uh, from what they're saying. It's not. But he wants to draft Kyle Pitts. Uh, he, I think he's a 
Georgia uh, University of Georgia, the Gators. Mm-hmm. No, uh, the Bulldogs. Well, you said no, Gators. No, 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 so that's University Gators. of Florida. Florida. University of Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> a squad leader from way back in the day. He absolutely hates the University of Florida. So, yeah. So, uh, Chip, you ever watch this? Go Knowles. I mean, God, I feel dirty even saying that, but whatever. It's better than saying Go Gators. So, anyhow. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, it's supposed to be like a pretty, pretty uh, quarterback heavy, you know, draft this year. Oh, well, not quarterback heavy, but uh, like a wide receiver heavy uh, draft. And uh, but yeah, the, the first three, four picks from every mock draft that I've seen, they're projected to go quarterback. Um, no brainer here, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Well, this guy's a tight end. Right. No, I'm just saying though. Uh, well, they're going to need a tight end because, I mean. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head that plays uh, tight end for the for the Cowboys now, but he's he's okay, but he he's not explosive. He doesn't have that separation uh, ability. Um, he, they just don't build him like they used to do, like with Frank Wycheck or or Jay Novacek. They just they don't build him like that anymore, um, or even Jason Witten to an extent, but. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback coming out of Clemson, dude's only lost like two games since high school. Oh wow! Yeah, so I mean, he's 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 just going to have to come to grips with the reality that he's going to lose a lot more games, especially because Jacksonville is going to going to draft him. They're projected to draft him number one overall. Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's just just it's just a thing. Um, the, the Jets are supposed to take Zach Wilson, a quarterback from uh, Brigham Young, number two overall. Uh, basically the Sam Darnold uh, mm-hmm. era in New York. It's kind of over. I mean, not that you could ever call it an era because it's not like he was an explosive personality. I mean, New, the New York Jets, <laughs> they're almost on the same level as the Cleveland Browns as far as, like, drafting quarterbacks. It, it's almost where promising careers go to die. Yeah, because uh... – even if you look at the statistics of it, I just can't believe they came up with that word fully. Statistics? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I said the word. Uh, most of the number, uh, first, first draft picks, they're crap. Well, I, mean, I think... Over the last few years... Well, Tom Brady was the actual first draft pick. No, he wasn't. Was no. no, Tom, he Tom wasn't. Brady went like sixth round or something like that. But... Um, you know, now is this is this draft going to have a, a diamond in the rough? You know, one of those hidden gems like a Tom Brady? I, I don't know, maybe not. Um, I mean, it, it's all going to be what team drafts that particular player? What kind of a system does that player get put into? You know, the interaction with the coaching staff, this, that, the other. I mean, wow, no, you weren't even close. Was he it was like twelfth round or something like that? One hundred no, no, no. No, no, no that's no. what it's saying. 199th pick overall, but what round did he go in? And that's usually going to be like, I think he was a sixth round pick. Maybe. Yeah. But so, from what? Because you've got every team gets a pick. So you're going to yeah. get like number one pick overall, like this year's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And whatever, you know, and I think it's like 30 or 31 or 30. I think there's 30 teams. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, anyways, that's my ignorance for football people. Um, you know, the team that wins the Super Bowl from the previous year, they get the last pick in the first round. That's just traditionally the way it goes. That The worst off you are, the better your draft picks are. 
And coincidentally, if you win the championship, if you win everything, you I mean you get the last pick in the first round. And, and, you know, unless they they thirty two. Yeah, so thirty two. So they you know like Tampa Bay is going to get the thirty second overall pick, but it's going to still be in the first round. So you you look at that and it's like okay, well they they're talking about like Tom Brady went. 199th overall, but he was drafted in, like, the sixth round. So he wasn't even, you know, that, he wasn't if, even you look his, if you looked at his scouting card, it was not favorable, like, at all. I mean, they were talking about no vision, uh, small, no mobility. Uh, he not, was the underdog. Yeah, I mean, he was every bit of the underdog. But they they took a chance on him. Robert Kraft and the crew up there in New England took a chance on this Tom Brady guy, and he turned out to be the goat so but getting back to this year you know every time every time someone says that he turned it out to be a goat i keep on thinking about isis sex clubs no 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 different kinds of goats okay no 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 those those are the goats that get like the marinated heroes and kebabs this is the greatest of all time so i mean you were talking statistically there's that word again statistically the greatest quarterback that I mean anybody. I mean, we're not going to see another Tom Brady for a very, very long time. Yeah. And Once he finally decides to hang up the cleats and put the shoulder pads away, we're not going to see. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you hear the term generational player, and that's what a lot of people are talking about. Like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's a they're they're saying he's some kind of a genera- generational player. Like you see him once in a generation kind of a deal. I, it. And it may be a little bit of bias on my part, but I, I, I feel pretty confident being objective here when I say that Tom Brady was one of those generational players. But just his his stature and the system that he played in up in Michigan, he was really kind of overlooked. And the further and further down he fell on the draft charts, he just kind of became, he was like a safe pick, so to speak for the New England Patriots. So they didn't even know that, you know, he was going to go anywhere or he was going to do anything, but it just worked out. And for whatever reason, the mojo up in New England, up in Foxborough, just kind of started to congeal and, and started to, to really kind of work. And from 2001 going on, you know, I mean, he, he brought them six Super Bowl titles. Yeah. So they, they, they go from kind of a mediocre mid-level divisional team to a perennial playoff powerhouse and when he finally decided that you know he wanted to move on and I think that there was some politics behind the scenes with uh, coach Belichick things like that 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 ultimately caused Tom Brady to move you know move on and uh, take his talents at South Beach so to speak but uh, uh, and I say South Beach I know don't don't fuck with me. It's I know it's not Miami. Good lord! And he went to play Tampa Bay, anyways. Um, so I think that there was some I think there was some uh, animosity starting to brew between Brady and Belichick, and I think Robert Kraft kind of kind of urged uh, Brady out the door a little bit, just you know, for the simple fact that he knew because Robert Kraft is. You know, whether you view him as a creepy old man or whatever, it doesn't matter. The guy's intelligent. The guy's smart. He's very monotone. Yeah, you know, but he 
Well, you're thinking Bill Belichick being very monotone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll just sit there with his cutoff, you know, his, 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 uh, his... I think he's trolling half the time. I, I think so, too, but... I think that Robert Kraft, the owner of the team, he, he could see the writing on the wall that the that year was last year was not going to be a good year for the team, and he didn't want to do that to Brady, and because the you know Belichick is he's he has a lot of responsibility he's he's given a lot of a lot of sway a lot of power as far as like draft picks are concerned, and he just wasn't building an offensive powerhouse around Brady like that we had seen in the past so. Um, and I think that that was getting under Brady's skin, so he was allowed to move on. And ultimately, he came back and just changed the culture down in Tampa Bay. They got Bruce Arian, uh, which was the, the, the head coach for, for Tampa Bay. I mean, the players got excited. They're like, we're, we're getting Tom Brady as quarterback. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna Yeah, they almost heads. treated it like uh, royalty going down. And yeah, like, almost. And, 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 and he's in the masses. Yeah, and so... Now that they've won a Super Bowl, I mean they've t- they've locked him up for another two years. They locked Rob Gronkowski up for another two years. Who was going to retire? Yeah, well, Rob Gronkowski was retired. Oh yeah, that's he right. He came out of retirement because even though he was retired, he was still uh, drawing a paycheck, I believe, from New England because of his con- the way his contract was was structured. So they pulled him out of retirement and traded him to Tampa Bay. Oh wow! So I think Tampa Bay won that trade. I really do. But uh, like I said, we were you know kind of getting back to this year's draft. You know they're calling Trevor Lawrence this this generational player because he's talking about he's got a multifaceted type of game. He's got accuracy. He's got mobility. He's got arm strength. Uh, he's got that football IQ. So I mean he can survey the field and kind of really see what's what. He can read coverages. He can read defenses. He can pick up blitzes a lot of times. But I, I think that. It's going to take, I mean, because you've got the college level, which basically is just amateur NFL anyway. Uh, of course, yeah, depending, score, depending on what. If you look at the scores, you can yeah. tell it's amateur because one day the, the team will end up being like, uh, it would be like 67 to zero. And then yeah. you get into another zone and they're at zero and the other team is at like 108. Yeah. The score, even 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 when it's a matched almost score, you'll have like sixty seven to to like thirty six. I mean, they're big numbers, but you never really see that all too much in the actual NFL. Yeah, I mean, there's more parity in the NFL. Um, just basic, you know, basically, you know, the way that 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 uh, the the teams are structured. You've got the salary cap. You've got free agency. And so, I mean, there's a lot of parity in the NFL. Uh, Small markets are still trying to compete with the larger market teams, like you know, like Dallas, like um, uh, like the New York Giants now. So uh, Philadelphia, they're, they're more Is of a the mid. Texans? Uh, Texans yeah, the Houston there? Texans. Yeah, they're still they're still a thing. Um, no, no, no. I'm saying, are they are they uh, high build or they don't? No, uh, I mean Houston. I know the Vegas. Uh, are Vegas the Raiders? Raiders yeah, the Ra- Ra- yeah Raiders. They're really low. Yeah, I, it, and so is like uh, you get the problem with I think with a lot, and I know we're getting off topic here, but whatever, it's kind of our trademark. But it's uh, still football. Yeah, so the the problem with the NFL is you get a lot of these teams that have that legacy, you know, you know, like, like for Green example, Bay Packers. Well, yeah, I mean, for example, Chicago Bears. 
You get a lot. Well, I mean, those yeah, the, the, the historically like the core teams before yeah. they had all these expansions, but you, know, you get these teams that when you put on their uniform, you're expected to perform at a level and bring champion championships. And it's like for a while there, when New England was on its run, somebody got signed by the Patriots. You were expect you were expected to produce. Um, and, I mean, you look at teams like the Dallas Cowboys. They, <laughs> the last time they won a Super Bowl, their fans have to, in order to rewatch that game, they've got to pull out the VCRs. And I think VHS tapes have only got like a shelf life of 20 years to begin with. So, I mean, it's, you know... it. I'm sure they got it saved somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm just you being probably real, watch it, but yeah, being real tongue in cheek. But with 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 teams I'm like curious. the Dallas Cowboys, with with team, yeah, I'm sure you know somebody has remastered it somewhere, and you can buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever. You can look up the games on YouTube. But no, I'm, I'm trying to figure out when it was. Uh, it was like '98, I think, was the last time that they won the Super Bowl. They were playing the Steelers, but uh, when. Uh, I mean, you, you get these players, they come to these teams like the Dallas Cowboys, like the New York Giants, or even to an extent, the uh, 49ers. Now, the 49ers have just kind of wallowed in, in mediocrity for, I don't know, maybe a decade and a half. Uh, I mean, they, they really weren't all that great since Steve Young left, you know, and he, he retired. Uh, yeah, you got the Colin Kaepernick year where he took them to the Super Bowl and then failed miserably against the Ravens. But it actually, it's the anniversary this year. Twenty five years since they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like well, Cowboys won the Super Bowl it was like uh, ninety five. Yeah, so you know we're we're looking at 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 these teams that have these winning traditions and and <laughs> my girlfriend's gonna kill me for saying this, but I mean you look at like the fan base of teams like the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboy fans are almost like the New York Yankees fans of baseball or zealots. They're, they're zealot. I mean they I mean they're they're just they're they're I mean they they cling to the old teams. Uh you know I've got that joke where you know how many Yankees fans does it take to change a light bulb? None because they're all too busy standing around talking about how great the old one was. And yeah. and a lot of these football fans, regardless of what team it is that they that they that they root for, it's almost the same way with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going to get those Steelers fans that I mean, they are just in your face, blue collar, die hard, bleed black and gold, and then you got these Dallas Cowboy fans that that they they're, they're blue and white, and and but they they expect their teams to win it all every year. I think Cowboy fans are are. I like the yeah. car that runs around that has all the ca- uh, Dallas Cowboys stuff on it. It's just freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because we got like a couple. Okay, so to kind of give everybody this uh, a little bit of context here, we've got a couple of people here that live in our town that uh, they they like they like to use their cars as artistic expressionist pieces. You know, uh, that, like that the one, Smurf one, the Smurf car uh, that, that's got all the uh, the little Smurf figures that you would get. From, uh, what was that McDonald's? Think so, but yeah. I think he can it glued every yeah. Smurf to the outside of his car. I don't know how he sees or not get arrested. Just the guy that I trip out over. Remember the guy who used to drive around? I think it was like an uh, like an uh, like an '89 or '92 Toyota Celica, and he had all the 
the duct work and the road cones glued to a damn car. Oh fuck yeah, I remember that. It, yeah, it was like a, it was like a cheap steampunk vehicle. That Dude, yeah, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you know, you, you, I was like, what? What are you trying to accomplish? I, I, mean, I mean, really, what are you trying to accomplish? But besides, get people to wreck around you. I have no idea. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to make my car look as gaudy as possible, so that way other people wreck their nice cars, and I'm the one that comes out looking like the good guy. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, so getting back to the draft. Um, with Zach Wilson being expected to be taken by the Jets, uh, quarterbacks and Jets do not mix. I mean, their offensive line is just offensive. They don't block for crap. They they don't they don't really have a run game to speak of. I mean, they get lucky on a player a play or two every now and then. Um, I think Jet fans, for the most part, they go into the season expecting to get their asses kicked. Um, but, you know, that doesn't keep them from going to the games. And, you know, you kind of – you have to admire, you know, fan bases like that. Uh, it's, it's, losers like to watch other losers most of the time. It's it's the whole misery loves company, but, you know, it's 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 just uh, – to me – I mean, some of and, and I say are this really as a red optimized. And, and I say this as a Red Sox fan. So, I mean, it's like for, for years. I mean, it was just like I never thought I was going to see my team win a World Series. You know, and then I, I've I've been lucky enough. I've been blessed enough to be alive during a period where we rattled off four world championships. You know, and 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 I'm like, okay, when's that run going to end? You know, so I, I'm I I can understand looking back and and just kind of enjoying those moments in time. But you know, every season that every new season as as the page turns and a new season starts. Yeah, you're gonna have that degree of optimism. I'm still surprised that the Cubs won the World Series. Oh yeah, back uh, in 2016. But yeah, that that right Cubs at, team. No, no, no. What's really amazing about it? Yeah, is Back to the Future actually foresaw it. Yeah, I they, think I think they, what they, they predicted they was like, the we're Cubs. Gonna wait, we're gonna wait until this time frame. That's when we're gonna win. Yeah, well, I mean, they they predicted that the Cubs would have won a World Series, but if you remember watching that movie, they were playing a team from Florida instead of the Cleveland Indians. And to be fair. The Cleveland Indians. I'm sorry, it was prophecy. It, you know, the, the 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 Indians blew a three games to one lead in the series. I mean, come on. I mean, it, now, do I think that that some you know a degree of cosmic karma had something to do with it? Absolutely, because the closer that that Cleveland or time had that travel. year. No, 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 no. It was, no. It was time travel. I'm making a very valid point here. Fine. Okay, so the closer in the 2016 season. The, the Indians had Aralis Chapman as their closer. He was the closer for the New York Yankees. And the New York Yankees, if we're talking about older teams, are the only team in professional sports, it doesn't matter what, what sport it is, the only team in, a, in professional sports when playing a game or when playing a, a best-of-seven series to lose it after being up three games to nothing. And it happened in 2004. Wow. When they lost after being up three games to nothing to the Boston Red Sox. Best comeback in, in sports history ever. Anyway, so enough about that. I, I know that I just went on this little rant about Yankees fans talking about the old teams, but you, that aside. You don't do that no, like everybody else. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm very subtle about it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Nobody ever looks forward to playing for the Jets. They just don't. You know, it. it uh, I can't even remember. Well, you the really guys. don't want to go out and uh, play with the uh, special needs teams. 
Because you know you're going to beat them, but you don't want to, like, make it so horrible that everybody hates you. It's like, how can you beat up that uh, special needs kid? To be fair, I, I think that the players that play for the Jets, I mean, they go into every week. You know, they, they, they go into every – go through their week weekly prep, you know, their practices, their walkthroughs, you know, whatever. They go into the season, and they go into every week of the season with an absolute verifiable chip on their shoulders. And I mean, rightfully, they should. Buffalo Bills fans, and, and the Buffalo Bills, for, for the most part, they did the same thing for years. And they surprised the crap out of everybody last year. I mean, they, they, they made it to the playoffs. Uh, and and they, they, the Bills are going to be scary good. I think going forward, for at least in that division, uh, the the AFC East, they're they're going to be scary good in that division. Um, I mean, because you're you're not going to really have the threat of New England kind of croaching in there uh, so much, at least not for a couple more years. Because New England, let's face it, I mean they've had their run. They they were a dynasty for a little while there, but they're 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 going to be a rebuild. And because the. You know, like I said, that Julian Edelman, he just retired. And he was one of the last remaining players from that core group of Super Bowl teams. But uh, uh, we've got a guy uh, going – the 49ers, they made some moves to move up to the number three spot. Yeah, so, that, that was another thing that I get confused and really don't watch the draft all too much is the, the trading. Cause yeah. Because right <laughs> – I'll look at it and I was like, oh, okay, this is what's going to happen. And then you watch the actual draft, and I was like, I thought that team was supposed to go third. No, they traded up. Yeah, so I mean, like, so so this year, uh, the 49ers, they traded, um, they gave up their first-round picks for next year in the 2023 drafts, and they gave up a third-round pick for this year. So, I mean, they, they sacrificed a lot to be able to move up that high on the draft board. And they're expected to take Justin Fields, who was the quarterback from Ohio State University. And uh, you're, I, depending on who hears this, I'm not really sold on Justin Fields. I watched some. I watched some of the Ohio State games last year. Um, Ohio State had no business being in the college football playoffs last year. They just didn't. Um, they're, they're, I mean, they, they didn't play a full schedule. Their strength of schedule was, was crap. Um, Texas A&M, far and away, had a harder schedule. They played their full con- their, their full complement of games. That's another reason why I don't watch college, because the scheduling is Well, so f- last year, I think last year was kind off. of a misnomer. Uh, the 2020, the 2020 season for any, in any and all professional sports, a lot, of, a lot of teams, a lot of conferences, a lot of fan bases would just – Put a little asterisk by that by that season. Just say, you know what, that one was just kind of a fluke, because everybody played a shortened season. Uh, teams had the option to opt out of playing games and not have it held against them. Obviously, because I mean, look at Ohio State; they made it to the national championship game last year, and coincidentally got their asses handed to them. But still, um, they it, it, with the with the shorter seasons. In the, in the modified schedules because of the COVID protocols that were in place, you had a lot of these like smaller underdog teams that that just they just happened to hit that hot streak at the right moment. Like last year, the Tampa Bay Rays made it all the way to the World Series, and it's just because they were balling out of their backsides. I mean, they were literally. I think they you know, the Rays. Don't get me wrong; they're a good team. 
uh, they, they have the potential to be very, very good for a number of years. It just depends on how the general manager and, and the ownership group down there handles it. I mean, if they want to blow it apart and rebuild again, and you know, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna drop. But you, you saw the significance of the games that were played increase multiple fold, and you had just just the the significance in it, and on a lot of times the importance of a streak really kind of become magnified. You know, you get teams like Tampa Bay, they make it all the way to the World Series, and they took the Dodgers, I mean, to a game six. You had the smallest payroll in baseball playing the largest payroll in baseball, and it took the largest payroll in baseball six games to win the World Series. So it, it, just, it just kind of goes to show that streaks matter. You know, just, just how, you're, how, you know, how you're playing at that particular moment matter. But... With uh, with Justin Fields from Ohio State, he's. I mean, could he be polished into a into a, a an NFL style quarterback? Yeah. Do I think that he's ever going to obtain that 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 tag of of elite? Absolutely not. I mean, we're not going to see him on the on the same level as they say, like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, and and you know, so it, it's. You know, or even to an extent like Russell Wilson from Seattle. I mean, we're not going to see that coming out of Justin Fields, just because he's he's just not that good. He's going high because of what he did last year. So I mean, they're looking at a very small sample size, and the 49ers are, are kind of scrambling right now because they got Jimmy Garoppolo as, as their quarterback. He's not the best in the world. I mean, he's got promise and he he can be accurate, but he is streaky. So. What does, look, that, what does that mean? So I, he, I mean, there's going to be games where he's just like he's on it. His quarterback passer rating is going to be through the roof. He's going to, you know, he'll 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 throw. Well, I'll just I'm just throwing a number out there. So I mean, we'll say he'll go like 47 out of 53 for you know one week, and then the next week he'll throw like four picks. He'll throw, oh, he'll throw four more, interceptions. More or less like to, uh, when he's uh, on, Tony he's Ro- on. More or less like Tony Roman when they get the when they actually get to the. Uh, you know, and, and, and I say this because about Tony Romo, to his defense, I was never really a Cowboy fan, but I, I, I did like Tony Romo. I didn't, you know, I didn't like the amount of shit that he got from the fan base or just, you know, from the NFL in general. But he was a good quarterback. He was a good quarterback. He was very smart as far as, <clears throat> as, far as play calling was concerned, as far as being able to analyze a defense. But the... I don't think they were. I don't think the actual team worked with him all too much. No, um, and that's the thing. When you know, going back to the point that I was trying to make earlier about these expectations that fans have whenever a player gets signed to their team, the Cowboys are one of the the, the biggest offenders. Or Cowboy fans and the Cows, the Dallas Cowboys as a whole, they're one of the biggest offenders in this in this uh, in this area because. Every year, they're expected to win their division. Every year, they're expected by their fan base and by the ownership group, we're going to win games, and we're going to go out and we're going to compete. We're going to make it through the playoffs. We're going to, you know, at the very least, we're going to make it to the NFC Championship, or we're going to make it to the, you know, to the Super Bowl. And they try to put all these pieces together, 
and structure the contracts in such a way that it works to keep them under the salary cap. But you're going to get people like Dak Prescott. And I know that if we have anybody who is a discernible Cowboys fan, they are going to give us an absolute raking for this. But I don't think that Dak Prescott is worth the contract that he got. Do I think that at some point in the future he would be worth just shy of what he was asking? Yeah. Um, but he's going to have to do a lot of proving. Uh, he's mobile, and he can be accurate at times. Yes, you're going to throw me the argument that he's got one of the higher passer ratings in the, in the NFL. That's great. That's fine. That's, that's basically a sabermetric-type number. That doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things because if you look at the overall, his overall sample, his overall um, resume as it relates to the, the, the course of, an, of a regular season, yeah, he can, he can get the wins and he can string them together, but the personnel around him don't work. You, and and it's, it's kind of like uh, well, you, it, you get that old adage, like especially in baseball or, or like pro ball teams for the NFL. Anytime you get a group of stars or high-profile names together, you're going to have that conflict of personalities. Now, the, way, the reason why it worked whenever Jimmy Johnson was the head coach is, you know, when he when when he had he was able to manage that he was because he walked into the into the locker room and he got in, he got in people's asses he didn't it didn't matter how many Pro Bowl selections you had it didn't matter what kind of money you were making it doesn't matter what category in the NFL that you were leading statistically was if you were screwing the pooch he got in your ass about it and he he coached and I think that Jimmy Johnson was probably one of the last true traditional coaches in the you know as far as like what you and I would consider to be an actual coach I mean he he allowed his staff to do their jobs and he worked well with his staff but he controlled the players and 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 it's almost like nowadays you start you start to see these personalities come in and they're demanding these high-dollar contracts. And, I mean, and again, I'm not faulting these players for trying to make the most from their careers before their bodies give out. I'm not faulting them at all. But at the same time, it's like, okay, how, did it, how, how committed are you to the system that you're playing for? How committed are you to the team that you're playing for? Your, your, your ultimate goal as a player is to want to win championships. Gather as many Super Bowl rings as you can possibly get. Uh, try to cement yourself as a quote unquote legacy player to p- potentially one day get into the you know the football Hall of Fame out there in Canton, Ohio. And I, I think that you get a lot of these coaches nowadays. They're, they're they're catering to these college kids that that are coming out of out of school for the draft. They're declaring for the draft, and you look at. The and I I don't want to tag a lot of these newer newer players with the tag you know with the with the the millennial generation tag but they're they're just not as tough skinned as players that we grew up watching and yeah because a lot of them nowadays uh, they have it set up I mean this is this is going back to like not nothing like really really new mm-hmm. but they're emphasizing a lot of stuff to where. Uh, like, there was one, like, a couple of years ago where they brought the mother, mm-hmm. and they bought her a house near the college, 
Yeah. And a car and a new car and everything. They pampered the mother, but the mother ended up getting all the money and everything like that that the college was paying for for that player. Yeah, but you see, the thing of it is, is that 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 was an NCAA violation because you can't. There, I mean, there can't be any like compensation for these players. They can't. But you know, there's compensation. It, yeah, and, and there has to be at some, you know, on some level. But the, I mean. <laughs> What is, like, it, what is the old adage? If you're not cheating, you ain't trying, and if you get caught, you ain't trying hard enough kind of a thing? That's up most uh, spec ops uh, slogans. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, but as it relates to NFL players, yeah, they're bigger, they're, they're faster, they're hitting harder. I mean, and, and that's fine. That, that's just a testament to the evolution of the, of, of the professional athlete. But because I mean everything as far as when you get to when you get to playing sports on that level, I mean everything becomes scientific at that point. So I mean they're they're monitoring what these players are taking into their bodies. They're monitoring what they're doing with their bodies. Yeah, I watched a I watched a uh, a thing uh, about the uh, cooks, mm-hmm. and it is unbelievable. I mean they they have oh God, I wish I knew what team it was. But anyways, they were going out and the the dietitian for that team with was literally going up to players like hey you're not supposed to eat that you need to be on this so it could uh, benefit you a little bit more right. or he'll go up to like a lineman that's losing a lot of weight due to like a sickness or something like that or or due to something and yeah. it's like hey you need to eat more here take this or they take like uh these jar green supplement stuff and they hand it to them. Yeah. I, I do that a lot. I do, I look at like the catering and stuff like that because I just... I, Dude, it's nuts. It, it is nuts. Especially like the longest yard. Yeah. You know, or or even, uh, what was that Clint Eastwood, uh, Heartbreak Ridge? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Swede. Swede, he, yeah. His Swede, he was like, I, I loved working for Clint Eastwood because he, you ate good. Yeah. I didn't. I gained like a good 130 pounds just doing that uh, movie. Yeah. Because cleanliness would feed you. Yeah, it does. And, and it, but I mean, they're doing so much more for the bodies of these athletes, but they're not doing anything for the mental capacity of these athletes. They're not doing anything for the maturity levels. Yeah, those TBIs are no jokes. Well, no, and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I'm talking about straight frame of mind. You get these kids that come out of college, they get these really big-ass contracts, or they, they, they find themselves, you know, playing above, yeah, they, you know, and, you know, and, and they, they, they let the money and they let the lifestyle get to them. Um, and there's, I thought for the longest time. There's some, yeah. th- that's one reason why like, I like Tony Romo so much, is because he had all that money and everything. He was still living like, like yeah. with his, uh, he, had, he had roommates. Yeah, he had roommates for a while. Didn't, and for for a he, while, he, he didn't yeah. even buy a house. Yeah, I and mean, he didn't buy he didn't really buy a house. I think until he got married uh, to yeah. uh, one of the sportscasters down in Dallas. But and there's a there's a the guy that uh, made uh, Black Rifle Coffee's uh, uh, conference table mm-hmm. with the uh, resin. Well, the resin and the uh, bullet shells and everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. He's an ex. Ah, fuck, I, I, Josh something. Anyways. I mean, if you look at his house, it's a it's a small house. Yeah. So I mean, most it, of his most of his money he went he went to his wood business. Yeah. So, but like for the longest time, um, the Dallas Cowboys they had like babysitters for their players. They would go out 
and they would go to the club and you know you'd, you'd always hear these reports about so-and-so player running back or wide receiver or lineman for this team that team they they beat somebody up or they hit a you know they hit a stripper well, or something really, like that remember, remember that time frame when we got dallas i don't i don't think you were here when they had the dallas cowboys training up at msu yeah no i was uh i think i was here still but no no that's right because the 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 training camp was that like was here no it was before that it was like late 90s i was in yeah, yeah, yeah. back then but still yeah, I know but, what you're talking about. So I mean, but to, like Troy Aikman was talk, was trashing the town because he's like, "Well, the nightlife here sucks." Well, no shit, dude. No, no, no. What was even worse is I was talking to a cop. He's like, "Yeah, as soon as we got, uh, as soon as they got here, cocaine sell just skyrocketed." Yeah. So it was it was so funny because it it just talking to like the people that actually secure the town and everything like that. It's when you get something that big in the town and everything. It's like, man, there's so many hookers and cocaine. I don't yeah, shit. you know, so I mean, just to kind of, I mean, I'm going to wait till next week's episode to really kind of give a, a, a go into a breakdown that the draft more or less deserves. Um, yeah, because then we'll have the data. Of we'll what, have the data. We'll, we'll be able to see what teams picked who. We'll be able to, I mean, because you're going to have people like Mel Kuyper, uh, you know, from ESPN. You're going to have tons of people, ESPN, Yahoo Sports, Barstool Sports. They're going to be breaking down. Uh, drinking bros. Yeah, drinking Sports. bros. They're going to break down this draft. And they're going to start handing out pass and fail grades. I really want to take a look at that stuff. Now, granted, yeah, I'm going to be the first one to admit I'm going to be a little bit out of my element going into next week's episode because it's going to be football heavy. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm going to I'm gonna talk to a buddy of mine that does football, and he's very – Yeah. It's kind um, of a catch-20 on that to – uh, I don't, he won't be on the show, but he will give a give his opinion from far away. I'll write some data and get some notes from him. Yeah, I mean, if but, anything else, we might be able to do like a draft special episode, whatever. And I mean, we can do a Skype uh, Skype interview with him or something. We can do it this weekend. Yeah, but um, going going off of what uh, on that though, uh, tell everybody what you're doing this weekend that you're. Yeah, so kind of moving forward into baseball. Um, yeah. I'm excited and stoked. Uh, I haven't been able to go to a live ball game in like four years, and I haven't been able to see the Red Sox play in that long either. Yeah. Basically, he's been a tripod for the last couple of days. Yeah, dude. No, it, it, but it, I've, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my, I'm taking my boys, I'm taking my dad and my two sons down to Arlington on Sunday, May 2nd. And we're gonna go see the Red Sox play the Rangers, and I am excited. I'm just, I am stoked. I, I, I have to temper myself and really kind of dial it back when I start thinking about going down to the game. Now I've already I'm, seen you get into like this little schoolgirl. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, 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 it's kind of funny because he's this masculine man and everything, and it's, and it's like me. Well, most people expect it from me, but from you, you're like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've actually seen that come from like, it. It's fucking hilarious. I, I had a, I had a squee moment, like you know, but you know, it's it, it's it's really funny coming from you. Me, not so much because I do it so often. You, on the other hand, it, it takes like a level as like it takes a level that someone has to like go out of the way to do something like really, really ridiculous. But it's just, I mean, to me, really, that's just kind of a testament to the the level of passion that I've got, not only for the game but for that team. Yeah, if and, you're really passionate about them, you get so giddy. Oh, like yeah. Like a little squirrel girl. I'm half tempted to just, 
I, I imagine you actually, it is kind of disgusting at the time, but I still imagine it is with you in a little schoolgirl outfit and everything. With no, the... just stop right there. No, don't, no. don't, don't. Because you're just going to dig yourself a hole that you will not be able to get out of. And I'll be I don't want to have to answer those questions, especially to your family or the police, as to what happened with your body. So don't. Let's just not go there. Yeah, um, they, they don't understand. It's like Dave said something stupid again. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, uh, it was like, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we're the seats. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The new, new, new global life field that the seats can get expensive. And, and we'll some, get, some we'll of get those some... ticket prices are ridiculous. I, I'm going to take a ton of pictures. Um, and we'll post them on our Facebook page. Yeah. I'm going to take a ton of pictures. Uh, we'll, we'll post them online. Um, and it's just, I mean, cause we're, I'm sitting, was it section 27, which is going to be, uh, a damn near straightaway center field. It's more left center. It's, but it, I mean, it's it's row five. I mean, we're sitting just above the field, and I can't wait. I mean, one, it's new ballparks. I mean, I'm I'm going to be able to say, hey, you know, like I've been to a game at that field. Um, with the way that the Rangers have been playing, the way that with the Red Sox have been playing, it's going to be a good game. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'd say that I'm being a little biased, but if you look at the numbers. Just based on run differential alone, the Red Sox on papers. I mean, they're they're gonna, yeah. They're, that's they're, what's really sad. They're gonna take care of that. But that's one thing. I, now I, I say that get excited. And, and you know, I'm not like trying that, to jinx but, myself, but yeah. Uh, baseball is really a numbers game. It is, um, and and annoyingly so. Uh, I mean, look I, at look at Moneyball. Well, yeah, because I mean, what they they started introducing that sabermetrics, you know, and and you get a lot of players that that they they start to buy into it. You get like Trevor Bauer; he's buying into it now, and he's got a podcast where he does YouTube episodes, and he's talking about angles and velocity and spin rates, and and he's really breaking his game performances down, and he gives that back to the fans, and and I and I admire that kind of engagement, and it really kind of intimacizes the game. And, and it's really interesting when a player is that geeking on the game. Yeah, you know, and it, it, yeah, exactly. So I mean, he he geeks out on it. He 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 wants to break it down not only for his betterment, but for the or fans' for the understanding show, or for the show nerding out. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it you know it's uh, you know, it's kind of cool just to kind of look at some of the individual storylines that 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 happened during the course of a week um, in the in the game. So, I mean, like uh, Sho- uh, Shohei Otani, he's a two-way player. He plays for the Anaheim Angels. Uh, came over from Japan a few years ago, and I think like two or three years ago. But uh, he pitches and he plays in the field. I always wonder if they trade players from Japan because well, Japan has a big falling for baseball. Yeah, I mean Japan, they are passionate about the game. Um, I have a story about the uh, Tokyo Giants, <laughs> and and it's nerdy. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, when you get players coming over from Japan, when they declare eligibility for the international for for international free agency, they have to be released by their clubs over there. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the Korean baseball uh, league over there, the KBO, uh, when 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 a Korean bla- baseball player wants to play in the U.S., I mean they're, they're I mean that's an expensive process, and yeah. whatever team ends up getting that player pays the club that owned him, at like an incredible amount of money, and you you usually see these large contracts, but a majority of that money is going to the team that he used to play for, and 
and, and I mean, you, you had like Ichiro Suzuki, one of I mean, one of the all time hits leaders for the you know for Major League Baseball. Uh, I mean, the guy's got. I mean, he, he Suzuki Ichiro was he was one of those he was one of those generational players like we were talking about earlier, but uh, Shohei Otani, he he pitches. I mean, the dude's good. I mean, he he really is. He's a great pitcher. Uh, he can swing a, a really good bat. Defensively, he's pretty sound as far as like being out in the outfield, um, and, and you know because a lot of times you'll see him if he's if he's in the uh, hitting if he's in the lineup as a hitter, he's usually like a like a designated hitter, um, or he'll you know he'll play the outfield. But I think a lot of times they've got to play in DH. But um, it's it's kind of fun to see how uh, Joe Madden, who's the manager for Anaheim, how he handles Otani. Uh, because I mean, you can't go out and pitch every day if you're pitching as a starter because you're wearing tear on your arms. Pitch count gets up. You just you know blow your arm out. So I mean, he can only start every fifth day. And uh, last night uh, they were playing down in Arlington. They were playing in Texas. And uh, he uh, he won his first game as a pitcher since 2018 last night. And he struck out nine batters. He drove in two RBIs of his loan. So he was he was literally playing both ways last night. The, the Anaheim went without the designated hitter last night because Otani was pitching and he was in the lineup as a hitter. So they played a National League style game as an American League team, which is it's kind of cool to see that crossover dynamic. If you've got the ability to do that, and you need players that go both ways like Otani does, and it's kind of fun to see how that is a thing now in the game. I mean, it used to be that way all the time until you know, I forget what year that they introduced the designated hitter. I think it was like the 60s. But uh, in the American League, we've had the DH for 30, 40 years now, 50 years, I think, actually. And it's made managerial jobs in the American League a lot easier. Now, when they start playing in the National League park, they got to play without the DH. The pitcher's got to hit. And a lot of pitchers that pitch in the American League, they either they either hate it or they love it because they get to swing a bat. So it's you know they they, they get in there and you know because a lot of players up to a certain point, when you're pitching, you pitch through little leagues or you know through high school, and even up into college sometimes, pitchers play both ways. Now when they get when they get, when they get drafted and they go play in the minor leagues or you know they they play in the, in the in the show, they have to become a one one or the other. So you, know, you get a lot of guys that are talking about, well, this is going to be my last at bat because after this I'm a pitcher only. And they they just kind of leave those skills off to the side. And you see that really start to become a liability, especially if they go play for a National League team where they do uh, have pitchers in the lineup to hit. Um, you're going to get your hitter, you're going to get your pitchers like uh, Madison Bumgarner or Max Scherzer. Uh, they they love to hit. And and like Madison, uh, like Bumgarner, he's – He's a great pitcher still, but he loves to hit, and he's got a good bat. He really does. Uh, he's got a couple home runs too, and I'm like, man, that's cool. You know, and, and I'm gonna touch on Madison Bumgarner here in just a minute because there there is a story that developed with him over the last day or two. Um, but <clears throat> uh, you know what? I'll actually just kind of get to it now. But one of the new rules going into this season is that whenever a doubleheader is played. The, the games that are played on that day are both seven inning games. And, you know, because baseball is normally a nine inning game. And, I, and they introduced this rule this year as a pace of play kind of concept to increase the pace of play to make games shorter. And 
Yeah, because other than another thing, I couldn't really uh, stand all too much uh, watching the uh, games because they would be drawn out so long at times. Well, especially if it was a tie. As a purist, as somebody who's a fan <coughs> of the traditional game, I'm not a big fan of the seven inning game. Just like I'm not a big fan of the extra inning rule where you start your your at bat with a runner on second. And really? So, yeah, and and again, it's just to increase the pace of play and. That's ridiculous. It's one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of getting Rob Manfred out of the commissioner's seat because this guy is just doing nothing but trying to destroy the game. Uh, he's he's more, he got the, he's more like about he, optics than anything like he, else. Yeah, it's like he's gotten the job. He got the job, and he got the job just to be like a Hydra agent. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you want to add that nerd uh, nerd, yeah. nerd uh, reference? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rob Manfred comes in there, and he's. He's just claims to love the game, but at the same time, he's doing everything that he can to introduce these rules that are just dumb. We need we need to get into his office and everything, and 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 whisper in a voice, "Hell Hydra," and see if he Hell Hydra's back. Oh God! That yeah. way, that way, we know <laughs> he's evil, and we need to right. take care of him. Right? You know, I mean, but uh, Madison Bumgarner, he. He, he plays for he he was he, he pitched for the Giants for years. Um, when his contract was over, he signed a free agency deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, I'm going to make a video of just Hell Hydra and and the commissioner. I'm going to make just a short little five minute video. You know, I, and I think that if we get that out on the right platforms, it'll get a lot of play. Oh yeah. But um, Madison Bumgarner threw a no hitter. During a seven inning, you know, all seven innings. See, I mean, it was listed as a complete game, but Major League Baseball refuses to acknowledge it as an official no hitter because it was not thrown over nine innings. But it's like they need to make that decision. All right, is it a, is it a complete game, even though it was only seven innings, or are you going to say it's a no hitter? Because you can't have both. I mean, you, that you, sounds you, you, so complicated. Well, I mean, well, okay, it doesn't it because sounds... in the stats, okay. They assign a winner, they assign a loser, and your your numbers of innings pitched still counts towards your overall count toward the end of the year, statistically speaking. You know, like you, you hear about these pitchers that go like four and two-thirds innings or five and five and a third or something like that. Because, I mean, that, and that relates to the number of outs that they get the following innings. So, like, you pitch your four innings and you're pitching into the fifth and you get pulled out after recording two outs and you've pitched four and two-thirds innings. Okay, that's how that works. So, you know, and, and depending on how far you get into the game and what where the score is at, dictates whether or not you're scored with a win or a loss or a no decision. Okay, so they're still doing all that like it's on par, like they're considering it nine innings. I mean, they're treating the statistics the same way. I think that, and, and a lot of people believe this too, it's like give Bumgarner credit for throwing a fucking no-hitter because this guy... He goes out there and he keeps a major league team off the bases. Nobody recorded a hit over the course of that of of the 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 defined length of that game. That game was played to its completion, and he did not give up a hit. I think that it should be account counted as an official no hitter, but because the people in baseball. The, specifically the head office, the competition committee, the rules committee, they're looking at it like, well, he didn't throw it over nine innings, so it's not an official no-hitter. Like, well, 
then I mean, it should if you be. Played a, if you played a game full to its full extent, even if yeah. it was seven to nine innings, yeah, it was a full game, right? Consider it, consider to your your statistics of what a game a full game is. It might be seven, it might be nine, but it was a full game, right? No hitter. But as it related to those those double header games, they're played two seven innings for the sake of pace. And, 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 I mean, because if, if we're going to stop doing things like counting no-hitters, or let's just say he would have gone out and thrown a perfect game over seven innings, they wouldn't have counted that as a perfect game. It's like, it's like telling... Because if you're, gonna, if you're going to sit there and change the rules, you're going to sit there and, and modify the way that the game is played, you need to do it across the board because consistency is everything. Because the time... The, you, any and every time... It's, it's like when an umpire screws the pooch on a, on a strike call. They're going to call a ball. They're going to call a pitch that's a you know four or five inches outside the strike zone or off the plate, and they're going to call it a strike. But then the other pitcher from the other team gets out there and throws the same pitch, and he gets it called a ball. Come on, you yeah. need to be consistent. If you're going to call it one way, you need to call it that way the rest of the game. You need to call it that way the rest of the season or whatever. Um, as far as like strike zone stuff, I mean that's. That's up for debate. I mean, that that the strike zone can evolve. Could you imagine if that uh, if that ruling was during uh, Nolan Ryan's reign? Oh, Nolan Ryan probably. I mean, the problem the, the problem with athletes today. I mean, they've got their social media platforms. They can get out there. They can say anything. But with players that we grew up watching. Your Nolan Ryan's, your your uh, Greg uh, King Griffey Jr. Your, your Griffey Juniors, uh, your, Bo Jackson. Well, Bo Jackson was really kind of he was a soft spoken guy. I mean, he let the performance on the field speak for itself, and, and that's what I admired about him. But I mean, you're talking about like your Nolan Ryan's, your Griffey Juniors, your, your Greg Maddox's. I, I mean, these guys were just powerhouses, and they they garnered that respect because of the way that they played the game. When they spoke out about something, baseball listened because you didn't have the dilution or the the, uh, the diluted. You know, social media dilutes things, you know. So don't get it confused that you know just because it's out there, it's saturated. Because of the dispersion capabilities of social media, I think that it dilutes a lot of the messages that are out there. And you you can shout down somebody that has a valid point if you get enough people behind you. If if you get a tweet that goes viral, they're going to treat that almost like it's gospel versus somebody who made the educated I mean, it took the time and the energy to make an educated statement. If it's not popular, they're going to get shouted down because somebody else who believes the status quo or they're regurgitating the the, the talking points from the ruling party. They're, they're going to be the vocal minority at that point, and it's going to make the it's going to make the the solid, educated statement or opinion invalid. And I, and I think that that's the I think that's the downfall of social media is that because we can shotgun blast stuff out there, you're not really looking for accuracy. And with the fact that you know Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred's got a team of social media experts. That's the, that's all that they do. I work for Major League Baseball, but you sit in a basement or you sit in an office somewhere downtown in New York City at the Major League Baseball headquarters, and you monitor social media accounts for every player. 
And if they say, and if they tweet something or put something on their Facebook page or post something on their Instagram or YouTube channel, whatever your platform is, if it doesn't, if it's if it if if it's considered uh, incendiary or if it's considered uh, uh, divisive, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna receive a pre-printed letter from Major League Baseball talking about suspensions or fines or both and do they do that with all sports or is it just uh, no they, they do it with all sports uh now the nba not so much because i, I think that um the nba they uh because i know i know lebron james uh yeah don't get yeah so lebron james got like freaking lit on Fire yeah, he got lit game. up because, I mean, literally that dude spoke out of turn. I mean, don't get me wrong. LeBron James has got all the talent in the world, and that's fine. That's one thing. But the second you open your mouth and you use your status as a professional athlete to push a narrative that you didn't even take the time to research, I mean, come on, man. That's not a good look. He got lit up, and yeah. rightfully so. I mean, he, he has been gotten onto by people who are in the Hall of Fame for the NBA and analysts and, and, and other players and players from other sports like soccer, football, even some baseball even, players. Even, even he got that, lit you know, up for his for, for him using his, his platform, his, his status as a professional basketball player to push a narrative. And they were like, look, dude, you just need to shut up and play. And... And, and, of course, he doesn't listen because he's King James. I say King James, you know, and it's like. He I think, wouldn't he even thinks, give him that title. Well, he gave, he, really, he, he gave it to himself, and it just kind of stuck, and it's unfortunate because you shouldn't be able to pick your own damn nicknames. Yeah. But anyways, digress. So he got lit up, and rightfully so. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I. The amount of. of latent racism or racism that that exists there and i'm not talking about the nba i'm not talking about the nfl i'm not talking about hockey i'm not talking about football or baseball or racing whatever i'm talking about the amount of latent racism and it's not even latent. i mean it, it to this point it's kind of blatant it's up in your face the amount of racism that exists within lebron james it is it's I mean, it's embarrassing. I want to say it's laughable, but it's really not because I mean, when you're talking about racism, there's nothing funny about it. So I mean, it's 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 embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for his family because he's espousing these views, and he's thinking that well, just because I'm LeBron James, I'm going to get away with this. Well, like, well, dude, you know, at a certain point, your golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory is going to be invalid because you had you know, just like in the movie. You had to be at the front gates at a certain time on a certain day to get into the damn place. He is he's wearing he's wearing it out and to the point where no one's listening to him anymore. Yeah, I mean when you were gonna I mean openly I mean and for all intents and purposes he should have been brought up on charges for threatening a police officer. That's an assault. Now, well, no, now you 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 and me or anybody else who's not LeBron James goes out. And we threaten a police officer saying, you're next. Okay. Okay. That's what that tweet was. He put the picture of that cop that shot that Bryant girl up on his Twitter feed and said, you're next. 
How else was that supposed to be interpreted? He's going to sit there and try to spin it. No, sir. I'm sorry. You're not getting to pass go. You're not getting to collect $200. He should have been brought up on charges, but he's not. You know why? Because he's LeBron James, and he's getting that free pass. I think some, a lot of the cops wanted actually to uh, uh, do that. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think it's going to come to a point when police, uh, police officers are going to refuse to attend these, these, these events, these sporting events, to provide security for the people that trash them constantly. Um, what was it the other day? Uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, there was a picture on, on Twitter that kind of surfaced and started circulating. LeBron James, I think he's walking around in New York or something like that. I, don't, don't quote me on what city it was. But he's walking around, and, and, and the caption on it was, it was like, you know, for somebody who spends the most, majority of his time trashing police, he seems to need them a lot because he's walking down the sidewalk, and he's surrounded by police officers who are guarding his dumbass. That, yeah. You know, and it's like, okay. I mean, you, we can go into the whole gun argument. It's like, yo, you want to take away guns from the, from the, from, from the law-abiding citizens of this country, but the same people that are writing these laws trying to take these, you know, take that constitutional That's, amendment. You, we, yeah, they've we got, they've, go got arm, whole, they've got armed bodyguards, and it's like, we can look, go through it, a whole you show can't live that. by that double standard. You have to live one way or the other. You, you, yeah. can't, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. I, it, Marie Antoinette, she got her head cut off for a reason. So it's like, all right. Don't. Don't be that way. Do not show yourself off as some kind of elitist just because you play a sport. You get paid a lot of money for it. You have people buying your jerseys and buying your shoes and spending way too much money in the process. And sponsored by China. It, it, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's like, okay, look, we get it. We, we understand where you're coming from. But if you're going to make a political statement like that on your social media platform... Take the time to pull your head out of your ass and use your brain for something besides keep you know for for something besides keeping your ears apart, and and it's like okay you know what is it uh, common sense wasn't issued but we need to use it anyway, yeah. So, and you know and, and I, I I I I I've bit my tongue and I've held my tongue and I've just really kind of tried to keep my mouth closed about the whole LeBron James issue, just simply one because it's a very charged polarizing subject two. I mean, obviously, I've demonstrated up to this point that I'm very opinionated about the way that LeBron James has handled himself and the things that he says. But, you know, and it's like, I, you know, and honestly, and, and <laughs> I, I hate it for the studio that, that pumped all the money into this Space Jam sequel, but I think that that tweet ultimately couldn't have come at a worse time for this movie because I mean with Space Jam 2 is fixing to come out like what a month or two I'm still not watching it uh, I'm, I, I miss Michael Jackson uh, Michael Jordan thank you for correcting yourself because yeah. I was really going to bust your chops about that one <laughs> but uh it had an M&J in it <laughs> right anyways <laughs> Jesus um you know so and I think that to a to to an extent, the social media aspect that we you know or society that we live in nowadays. Remember, okay, so you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how people are just you know they've they've forgotten what it means to get punched in the mouth for something you said. Yeah. Again, I think social media is a detriment to a lot of these you know professional athletes. I'm not saying that they 
can't have these social media accounts. I'm all for the freedom of speech. I'm all for the freedom of expression. But they're, it's, it's become a tool. It's, be, it's, it's become a weapon. It's been, it's been weaponized by these players and by these personalities, uh, these actors, these actors, actresses, uh, these producers and directors. Hollywood in itself is kind of, for the most part, lost touch with the people that are trying to entertain, the people that are paying their salaries. Well, <clears throat> on that note, what's really sad about that, it's not really Hollywood because nowadays, most of the uh, people that are actually financing these movies and everything, it is China because they're the actually biggest grossing of paying that. Yeah. Saying well, saying that though. Okay, so off topic a little bit. We just had the Oscars, the lowest rated. Yeah, it was like sixty percent. I mean, yeah, that was a drop, wasn't it? Oh yeah. You know, so it was like. Yeah, everybody was, I mean, they had several people that were accepting awards and they get up on the stage and they were trashing the police. The last time that I even remotely gave a shit about the Oscars was when uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky's... Uh, no, that was the Emmys. Oh, yeah, it was the Emmys. He tweeted out uh, just before the Oscars. He goes, did you forget to uh, you forget to invite me this year? Did I say something wrong? And he put the gif of his, of his Emmys speech up there. And I was like, man, that's well played. Um yeah, and you, I still like the little meme that uh, with uh, Tom Hanks, like mm. cringing. Yeah, and, 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 and the, you and have the, Adam Driver, ex Marine. Yeah, ex Marine, ex Blunt. He's over there laughing his ass off. Like when you know, everybody in the room is getting torched, and you're the only one finding it funny, and it just shows him over there with that shit and grin. He's like, "Yeah, oh man, I've got my damn flak vest on. I'm good to go. You bring that shit on. Danger oh, yeah. close. Let's go." But uh, I'll watch him in it. Yeah, moving on. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I was like, my brain clicked for a second. I'm like, uh, did that just happen? I'm, did he say that? Did he Fucking say that? Fucking out loud? Oh, my God. Another um, episode you can't, can't watch. <laughs> no. God, please, just dear God. I can find it and edit it out. <laughs> That's a quick edit. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're going to kind of wrap up baseball here a little bit. Um, Was there any other news of, uh, for the last bit of... Uh, There's uh, been rumors that Aaron Judge is going to be... start. They're going to start shopping... Uh, the New York Yankees are going to start shopping Aaron Judge around for, for, for trades to try to get rid of him and improve their team. Or, you know... Uh, <laughs> Aaron Judge, last night he got thrown out at third playing the Orioles against the Orioles. Um, just aggressive base running. I don't fault the guy for being aggressive. Um, is it sad that the only reason why I know how to spell Aaron anymore is because of that uh, Keenan and Pill? <laughs> you done fucked up, A Ron? Yeah. A A Ron. A A Ron, but uh, yeah, so. A, a. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's always delightful, and it can, it will, it'll continue to be delightful for me to report that the Yankees are in last place in the American League East Division. All I guess my beloved Sox are in first place by two games as of this morning. Uh, they, they had the night off last night. Um, but they're uh, they're they're playing the Mets for two games, and then they're coming to Texas for a four game series, culminating yeah. on May second, which is a Sunday game. That is a one thirty Central Time start. I will be in the stands. Hallelujah! I cannot wait. Um, but uh, moving on, yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, really, not a lot of time to really kind of properly go over everything that happened in baseball because of the the build up to the NFL draft. 
Um, try to get back into some of the storylines and have a more in-depth breakdown next week. But really next week we're going to kind of have – we're going to have to – I'm going to have to cut out a couple of different, you know, storylines, you know, maybe – unless something very, like, exciting happens in racing next week, I'll, I'll leave racing out of it. But Because I really kind of want to get back into baseball, but I know that the NFL draft, that's going to be the big thing that's going to be on a lot of people's mind. Really want to get into that as well. I'll try to do my best to give that the due diligence and justice that it deserves. But uh, to to kind of go over racing, last week we talked about how there was a, a the the race last, or this past Sunday was at Talladega. Mm-hmm. I remember that was a fun wa- fun race to watch. Uh, Joey Logano cannot stand Joey Logano, and I've stated that before. He drives the number twenty two car for uh, Roger Penske. Um, <laughs> there was a wreck. He ended up on his roof. A uh, car turned sideways. Air got up underneath the car, and he started to tumble. And um, actually landed on another car and just kind of skipped off of it. And, uh, you know, of course, he gets out of the car. He gets checked out and released by the in-care field, you know, actually, in-field uh, care center. Is, is Joey Logano? Yeah. Yeah, he's on a ventilator right now. No, he's not. No, a- he's not. A-R-C-C drive. Oh, no. Is that? That's an ARCA driver. Oh, and okay. that wreck, uh, a fuel line came disconnected, car caught fire. Uh, Crap. Yes, I mean, the ARCA. The, the, I'm saving this photo. Yeah. Um, the ARCA races, they're fun to watch. And these are guys that, that are financing these teams for the majority part themselves. They're their own mechanics. They set their cars up. They go out to these tracks and they, they follow that circuit around and they try to get that. They try to get that look from some of these uh, like Xfinity Cup team or, or these Xfinity Series teams to get a ride at the next level. And the ARCA guys are just fun to watch. I mean, they, they drive a lot of the older cars. Um, the, the safety features are all still the same. They have to be up to a certain, you know, up, up to par at a certain point. But you're going to have those freak accidents where things like a fuel line, you know, breaks and the car catches fire. Uh, and I mean, it, it is underneath the freaking uh, chassis of the vehicle. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... it's it, it, it's Yeah, I mean, when, when, when one of those cars... Yeah, so I mean, it's did Talladega. He hit, did he hit something? No, I, I think that just just from the, I mean, it, physics and metallurgy, those are kind of God. like they're. And he just kept on, yeah, going. Well, at that point, you're traveling at close to 200 miles an hour, and you yeah, can't exactly you have just to make a safe stop. Yeah, yeah you yeah. can't exactly just slam on the brakes. I mean, because you slam on the brakes when you're going that fast. You have to actually warm your brakes up. So I mean, you don't have to come out of the throttle, but you can you can drag your brake pedal a little bit while you're while you're still in the gas, and you can warm those brake pads and those brake rotors up so that way the friction has something to grab, because otherwise you're going to lock your wheels up and you won't have any control as to where your car is going at that point. Um, so that's why, especially places like Talladega or Daytona, you hear about these green flag pit stop or green flag pit stops. You hear the announcers talk about the drivers. Some of these drivers, they, they're, they're going to have to warm their brakes up in order to make that transition because you're going from well, 200 also, miles an hour to 55. And it's also good to warm up the tires too. Well, no. The, the tires are warm enough as it is because, I mean, they're, they're, they're traveling. When you, see, when you see them before they come to a restart, you see them you know, moving back and forth. They're scrubbing the, the crap off their tires, and they're, and they're trying to get that rubber warmed up. And, I mean, you, with the track temperatures alone, plus with the fact that, you know, the, the car 
I mean, the inside of those cars gets up to sometimes 130 degrees sometimes. You know, so in plus with, you know, just, just with friction created by going through those turns, those tires, they're, they're, they're trust me, they're plenty warm. So, but it, when it, when it relates to stopping, when you're traveling that fast, yeah, while your brake rotors and your brake pads, they're going to be hot. They're not going to be warm enough for the brake pads to grab without locking it up. Because, you, you, you know, you want to be able to have that ability to control your car at any speed. And when you're going 200-something miles an hour, if you, if you look at a lot of the video footage, whenever these cars are going down the track, I mean, they're tucked up right underneath each other. So what that does is that second car, it doesn't have any air going to the nose. There's nothing coming in to that front uh, to that front grill, cooling the engine down. There's, it's, it's, not, it's not going through the brake ducts to cool those. You know, to to to. It's not providing enough air to the front of that car to help the operation of those brakes. Um, and so you'll see those as they're coming off to to pit. They're coming out of turn four. And they're coming down onto that flat area, getting it, you know, trying to slow down enough to get onto pit road speed because there's a cone at the end of pit road or the opening of pit road. They have to be at pit road speed before they hit, when they hit that cone. Because then there's timings or timing loops all the way down pit road. And uh, there's no speedometers in, their, in those cars, they're all tachometers. So they, they before, the, before the start of the race, They'll get the entire field out on track. They'll get two pace cars, and they'll break them up into two groups. The pace car sets the pace, which is why they call it the pace car. So usually it's like 55 miles an hour. It's like they learned something. Well, the, the, what they do is they, they, they get a certain distance behind the pace car, and they look, okay, all right, we know that the pace car is going 55 miles an hour. You can, there's a dial that you can adjust on the dash of your car, on the tachometer, that where it's like, okay, if I'm in second gear, I'm turning 5,500 RPMs at second gear. You know, they'll know that that's pit road speed. And what they'll do is they'll they'll push a button, the driver will reach up, and they'll push a button on the dash or on their display. Most of the time it's actually on the steering wheel. No, it's not. It's not? Nope. On the, on the steering wheels of cup cars, of NASCARs, you've got a radio button and a kill, and a kill button. Oh, okay. man. Because most of the, like Formula One, Formula One, IndyCar, yeah, they've got that set up there, but they've got speedometers in those cars, and and it'll tell you how fast you're fucking going. It'll tell you what gear you're in on those digital out, you know, displays. Yeah. But when you're talking about NASCAR, I mean, everything is based off of that tachometer, um, and there's a series of lights. So if, if you know if you're within you know, if you're at that, if you're at that pit road tolerance, you know, here's the number of RPMs I need to turn in this gear to be at this speed to not be speeding on pit road. Your lights will be green, but the second that they turn yellow or red, you know, you're speeding at that point. You need to back it down before you hit that next timing loop. But uh, uh, when you're slowing down from that speed to get to pit road speed, which again is, I think it's 55 miles an hour at Talladega. I could be wrong, but. You have to, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's really, when we talked about synchronized swimming, it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing. I mean, it's really, it's a synchronized movement. I mean, it's it's all, it all works in concert. And, uh, you know, you'll get that one guy that doesn't warm his brakes up and he'll lock it up and spin out trying to get onto the pit road or whatever. But, 
or you'll get somebody that comes in too hot and they lock them up trying to get that, you know, get their cards slowed down before they hit that commitment cone. But it, it, uh, it, it's really, I mean, just, just watching these guys do this, knowing, okay, well, you sit in a car and you're not doing anything. You're, you, know, you used to hear that argument that drivers aren't athletes. Bull crap. I mean, these guys are complete. I mean, some of these guys, yeah, they look a little, you know, Pillsbury Doughboy around the middle. But for the most part, these guys are studs. I mean, they're they're, they're athletes. I mean, they get out there, they train, they run, they they ride bikes, um, they uh, you know they lift, and they have to be in a degree of physical shape to to drive these cars, and they have to have that that built-in endurance, that stamina, in order to do to be able to 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 operate at those temperatures inside the cockpits of those cars, for the you know for the amount of time that they're in there. They may be only driving 500, maybe 600 miles, depending on, you know, caution laps, overtimes, things like that. I just thought of something. What's that? I was like, if you need to lose a little bit of weight on the vehicle and everything, if you urinate yourself, that do that? Uh, you well, I you remember, will find. I, I, remember, I remember a uh, driver saying that. It's like, one time I had to piss myself. Oh, yeah. It, lose like, a little bit of weight so I can get a little bit more speed. Yeah, you... you, you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you got to take a piss during a race and you're a driver, you don't have a piddle pack like a pilot does. I mean, you just you piss in your damn fire suit. But um, a lot of times, I mean, these guys they sweat so much under these those fire suits that they they really don't have the need to pee. Yeah, because I mean, they're, actually, they're, they need to get more fluid in them. Yeah, I mean, they they, they have water going in uh, to their helmets, but with. I mean, you'll you'll see. I mean, these guys. I mean, sometimes they'll lose up to ten pounds during during a race. If it's in the middle of the summer, and like if they can go to Las Vegas, and they're running a running a race in Las Vegas, or they're they're running a race here uh, down in Texas Motor Speedway, uh, it, 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 or even at Charlotte Motor Speedway where they have like the Coke Six Hundred on Memorial Day, mm-hmm. the six hundred mile race, the longest race of the year. It it's. It can it can be really devastating, and you have to have you have to be in shape in order to run those races to be able to operate those. Yeah, because there's an endurance. Yeah, it is. It's endurance. I mean, these guys are are. I mean, you got all these different personalities. It's like the Lamont. Yeah, yeah, the twenty four hours. Race. Yeah, the Rolex. Yeah, the Rolex series. I mean, those are endurance races, but with the I mean, but with the. De- the the temperatures that these guys in these stock cars I mean these stock cars are heavy I mean they're like thirty eight hundred pounds or something like that but I mean it and they they don't run air conditioners in these cars because you only get a certain amount of amperage to operate that vehicle with and you've got all these different systems in the car all these different uh, components of the car that require voltage. The crew chiefs and the car chiefs, they have to set that stuff up. They have to budget the power that they get in that car. Um, that's why the radios, the radios are run on batteries. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're walkie-talkies. They put them down. There's, there, there's a pouch on the inside of the door right here. What they'll do is they'll, they'll put the, you know, the radio in the car, set it in that pouch. I mean, the, the battery's got a full charge on it at the start of the race. They put the the antenna runs up to the to the antenna on the roof, and then they've got the uh, the mic piece that runs up into the driver's ear, and it's usually plugged into like the helmet or something. But and um, the, the they'll key the mic. There's another wire that runs off that off that radio to the steering wheel to where they can key that mic. 
uh, that's that uh, that curly uh, retract or that 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 curly cable that that's attached to the steering wheels. You see a lot yeah. of them. That's that's for the radio. Um, you watch the race, and then when the commentators of the booth is calling down, they're talking to some of the drivers live, like during a caution or something like that. You'll you'll see that driver reach up to a steering wheel, and you'll see him pushing a button. That's because he's talking. That's where the radio button is on the steering wheel. But um, it, 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 Talladega lived up to its billing. I mean, we had wrecks, we had blown engines, we had last lap chaos, and it didn't disappoint. Um, Very dramatic. It was, actually. It was really dramatic. Um, you know, you had Joe Logano, who ended up on his roof, and he was the first car out of the race, and it was like during the stage, the first stage of the race. And he gets released from the Infield Care Center, and they're going over there to interview him. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, we get it. Two, remember, I told you last week, there's two different camps as far as Talladega is concerned. He wasn't bitching about Talladega when he won. But on Sunday, he was like, when are we going to you know, when are we going to stop? Because this is just dangerous. It's like, dude, be consistent. Quit being a whiny turd. Drive your damn car. You know, it's like, but, you know, at the same time, you want him to have that personality because the sport's got to have its heroes. It's got to have its villains. Absolutely, 100%. I'm not saying that Joey Logano is a villain because, you know, he's more like a, he's like, he's like a mid-level boss, you know. Uh, he's not like a Kyle Busch, like Kyle Busch used to be. Um, I mean, people just hated Kyle Busch. And I, you know, to be honest, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big Kyle Busch fan, but I, I do like the way that he handles himself in the car. I mean, the guy knows how to drive. Absolutely. I mean, you, you give him enough time to adjust his car, he can make it work. You know, I mean, the guy's got over, over the three different series that he's competed in, he's competed in the trucks, the Xfinity, and the, and the Cup Series, he's got over 200 wins. So, I mean, his trophy case speaks for itself. But absolutely, this, uh, just the, this, the spring race for Talladega, just, it didn't disappoint. Uh, Brad Keselowski uh, won his first race of the year there this year. Uh, this past Sunday, and uh, I mean, it's just stereotypical. I mean, he had a strong car. Uh, he led one lap on Sunday, and he led the most important lap. I mean, right there at the end. Um, you had a lot of comers, and you had a lot of goers, uh, a lot of the in-between guys. Uh, it, it, it just just the storylines around the, those Super speedway races, we used to call them restrictor plate races because of uh, the, the cars used to be carbureted. So they would put these uh, tapered restrictor plates on the air intake for the, the intake manifold underneath the, uh, the carburetor. And it reduced the amount of air coming into the engine, so it, it reduced the amount of horsepower being made, right? Uh-huh. Uh, now they put these taper plates on there because the, the engines are now fuel injected. Uh-huh. But uh, it... They still kind of taper down the, 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 the horsepower that these engines make. Uh, they, they, they change the aerodynamic packages on, the, on these cars to affect the way that they drive in traffic. Um, but at those speeds, I mean, it's still how well and alert these drivers are behind the wheel. Um, you know, you'll hear drivers talk about a lot of times that whenever they're in the lead at Talladega, they don't look out their front windshield. 
<laughs> they're driving in the mirror a lot because they're looking to see what lines develop, who's got the momentum, where do I need to go to block, do I need to stay home, doing you know, where do I got to do? And there, it's just at those speeds, you have to be on top of your game. But, um, you know, that's really kind of all I, I, I had for this week. Um, I know that I know that I missed a lot, um, and I know that we got way off into the weeds a little bit there, uh, especially when no, we were talking really. about LeBron James. But, but uh, that was that was a good episode. Uh, yeah. We can close it from here. Uh, well, last thing, uh, the Tokyo Giant story with Stan Lee. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, go ahead. That uh, what happened was is a, a friend of mine's friend in Japan. He basically. Basically, his job is is to take celebrities around Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an interpreter, and he, he high dollar. Yeah. Well, he had Stan Lee, and he was making sure everything was good for Stan Lee, because he was a Stan Lee nerd too. Yeah. Anyways, he goes up, and uh, the Tokyo Giants wanted to meet him. Well, every time he went into the executive suite that Stan Lee should have been staying in. His manager was kept on saying, "Was like, oh, Stanley's not here. Let me go ahead and uh, give it to the manager. Uh, t- take everything that's for Stanley into the uh, not executive suite, but like a like a cheap sh- uh, suite." Yeah, yeah. Well, every time he'd take it to the cheap suite, Stanley was there. He's like, "Oh, okay. I guess I guess the manager's talking with Stanley, or make sure he's okay and everything like that." Come to find out, he ended up finding out that the manager had switched the rooms with Stanley and told Stanley to stay in the cheap room while he stayed in the executive suite room. Right. And he got so pit- and he talked to Stanley about. It. I was like, "Why? Why are you staying in this room and not in the executive suite?" It's like. Oh no, that's his room. This is my room. He's like, "Who told you that?" He was like, "The man, uh, my manager." He had the Tokyo Giants there, and they're fucking big boys, and they were about to beat the crap out of that manager's ass. And there is a story that came out right before he passed mm-hmm. how the manager was uh, basically doing uh, air, air, elderly, uh, elderly, elderly abuse. Yeah, elderly abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Someone asked me, he's like, do you believe this? Do you think he, uh, the manager, I was like, no. He did do that. And if it came around to it, and I was, and if I was there and I saw his manager, I would freaking beat the crap out of him. Because he was just, that manager, uh, Stan Lee's manager was a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's unfortunate too, but. Yeah. But we can go ahead and uh, close on that. Uh, I'm David Dickerman. Johnny Skelton. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Those, you know, like. Subscribe, smash that bell for the notifications, leave some comments, get engaged. Uh, look at the description. We'll have the uh, website to get our only shirt that's on there. Which... And we will work on that. Um, yeah. I, got a, I, got a, I got another shirt, uh, one of the shirt ideas. I'm going to probably talk to uh, the shirt guy and see if we can get it made. Maybe mm-hmm. get a couple, about 50 of them. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but... We'll catch you next time on Sporting Events uh, next Tuesday, and we'll talk about the draft. Yeah, we'll talk about the draft, and uh, we'll go over we'll go over the game that I'm going to go to on Sunday. And uh, yeah, uh, but until then, y'all keep it classy. Yeah. See you later. Bye.